Hi everyone, hope you're all doing well, hope you're looking forward to today's episode of Day Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football, episode number 16. Uh, just before we get into that, I just want to take a brief moment to discuss a charity live stream that myself and a couple of other lads took part in on Saturday night. Nine days ago, myself, Beans from the Fit's Been Happening podcast, Big Dom, who is on Twitch, um, is a big Twitch streamer, big gamer, uh, Big Dom, um, and our other friend were on a Zoom call, you know, just chatting away, having a laugh, doing what we do, sort of, nearly every week, just, you know, having a couple of beers, and, you know, just chatting away, seeing how everyone's doing, and we came up with the idea to do a charity live stream on YouTube, uh, and raise money for the Tiny Changes charity, which is a mental health uh, charity. And we were sort of looking at what we could do. Would it be? Would people be interested in it? And we kind of came to the conclusion that yeah, people would be interested in it. It's sort of a way to take you away from what you would normally do on your Saturday night, whether it be watch TV. We made it interactive. We put it on YouTube so that people could comment. They could sort of ask us questions, whatever. Just just to be a part of something on a Saturday night because normally our Zoom calls are are closed to our, to our pals and whatever. But we wanted to open it up to sort of provide entertainment as well as raise money for charity. Now we decided to bring on a couple of guests um, such as Twitter Phenomenon, who's a friend of the podcast, who's been on the podcast before, Old Firm Facts. We also had Scottish author and uh, Twitter funny man, Chris McQueer on. Uh, we also had a counselling student, uh, Leanne Moan, who was just on the recent episode of the Fit's Been Happening podcast, which is available on Spotify and iTunes, uh, so you can go and check that out. She was a great guest to have on, you know, she she sort of, she gave me an analogy that I, I will take forever and, um, you know, passed on her wisdom on, on how she's sort of dealt with, with mental health issues that she's had and it was just a really really great night uh you know it was something that was fun for everyone to do and you know the main goal was to, to raise money for for this mental health charity tiny changes and when we started out we were like okay 50 pounds 100 pounds would be an ideal goal you know because times are tough we're in the midst of a global pandemic you know people are short of money and we honestly did not expect to sort of receive the money that we did receive. We received um, just over £2,000 in donations from people that were, were on the stream and I can't thank each and every single person that donated enough because your generosity just knows no bounds and you know the only words that I can really use to, to sort of thank people are grateful, thankful and, and blessed to, to, to see that people do care uh, about you know such such things in this world such as mental health um, so it was a real humbling experience to be a part of it there was a lot of great stories told the video is still available on YouTube if you've got a spare five hours um, and you want to just go and sort of cheer yourself up I recommend that video will do it and um, I do just also want to say that if you do want to donate or you, you know you weren't able to come along on Saturday or you didn't know that Saturday was going on then you can still donate and I will leave the link in the description below um, whether that's on Spotify or iTunes there will be a link there to the, the actual donate uh, the Just Giving page and if, if you can then, then please donate because it is going to a good cause and the thing of it is we only raised £2,000 uh, or just over that however we have struck a deal in place that whatever we 
we raise, it will be doubled. So essentially we have raised £4,000 for this charity. And um, if you can just spare a pound or two, it will be doubled by this matchmaking uh, deal that we have. And we would just really appreciate it. And I just wanted to mention this in the start of the podcast because I feel... Um, that we can all do a little bit more when it comes to mental health you know before the format changed on this podcast we had people on discussing their battles with mental health and i just thought that this is the best kind of way to to just open up the podcast before we get into some more not as serious issues such as football because when it comes to it football is only a game mental health is something that that we really need to be focusing on and yeah uh, listen, as I say, if you can go and watch the video, um, I hope it can cheer you up. And if you can spare some money, then please donate if you, if you can. Um, it would be really appreciated. Uh, without further ado, uh, let's move into the podcast. This is Day Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football, episode 16. And welcome back to another episode of De Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football. This is episode number 16. I can't believe I'm actually saying that it's episode number 16, but uh, we, we are into it. We're 16 weeks into the, the new format. As always, I'm joined by Lewis Laird. Lewis, how you doing? Yeah, good stuff, man. Cheers, pleasure as always. How you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Feeling feeling refreshed after the weekend. Feeling good for it. Um, as always, we are also joined uh, by Declan Hughes. Declan, how you doing? I am good, and I'm also feeling fresh for a change. No, that is good. Uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago I was on here with a, uh, a <laughs> the polite way would be describe it a hangover. Um, it wasn't great. I didn't. I didn't enjoy that episode from a recording point of view. Uh, quality, as always, though. We were supposed to have uh, guests on with us this week. Uh, however, um, Ryan had to pull out with toothache, uh, which is totally understandable. It's. Uh, I remember having to record a, a radio show um, at college with with toothache. It was one of the worst experiences of my life, and um, I wouldn't of sort of forced it upon him to, to come on um, and we're, we're also meant to have a special guest uh, but he hasn't been able to make it which has been unfortunate I'm not going to reveal who it is yet because it's a big name and um, hopefully we can get him on another time uh, but it is just me Lewis and Declan so what we're going to do as always we're just going to recap all the action from across the Scottish Premiership this past weekend um, and the game that we're going to start with uh, will be Hamilton versus Dundee United, a bit of a, a basement battle, if you will, for Hamilton. They're you know trying to get out of that relegation zone. Uh, Dundee United are inevitably safe. They just missed out on top six, uh, and they won one nil. Um, let's let's talk about the game, Lewis. What, what did you think about it? I think he's extras uh, bring up the best aspect of, of the. The split, you know, you look at Dundee United after that win, they've got more points than St. Johnson, but still turn the bottom six. So it's probably the good and the bad of the bottom the bottom six. But it's one, I, th- I think Hamilton actually played quite well and probably deserved more from the game. But they'll be, I think, with the position they're in, they'll be extremely disappointed to, to not pick up something from that game, especially with results uh, elsewhere. 
the goal they conceded as well, it's extremely disappointing. A poor kick out from the from the goalkeeper and it's finished well by McNulty, but it's just not what you're wanting when you're in the position there in the now. Yeah. Um what about yourself, Declan? Yeah, I think that uh, Hamilton did play well, you know, they were they were throwing bodies at it and they were getting players in the box at every opportunity, but it's it's still lacking the the end product it's it's costing them and that's why they're two points adrift. Dundee United, on the other hand, obviously seventh, as Lewis said, have more points than St Johnson. But see, see the the thing is with with Dundee United, I think their their fans can be pleased. I think you know they narrowly missed out in the top six, but for a first season back, I think to solidify your place and kind of the mid table range is is good. I just think this game came down to decision making again with Hamilton. It's just it's poor decision making that costs them. You know they're they're kind of doing the right things, getting body forward and playing a kind of set way. But at the end of the day, like like the goalkeeper, that 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 poor kick out has cost them, and that could be massive towards the end of the season. You know it's him doing that and then you've got Callahan and I remember the ball got put in the box and he's he's went to use his foot instead of it was probably a tap in if he used his head. There was another one I think it might have been Monroe and he was running onto the ball from the box. If he uses his I think it was his head it it, it goes wide but if he puts his foot through it it's probably in. So they they probably did deserve more for the game but it's it's the it's the quality that they're they're lacking in the final third that's mm. that's got them where they are. You know, when you look at the stats of the game, you see that Hamilton had more chances created. They had more shots on goal. Um, they had more shots on target. Uh, albeit they had more shots off target as well. Um, but, you know, it did look like a game uh, that that perhaps they, they were unlucky. In. And as you say, it's just that, that lacking of quality that, that they're, I suppose, missing out on, which when you're in this kind of position can be a, a big factor in you either staying up or, or going down. Um, obviously, we are, I think, four games left before the, the split. I think the key question to ask now is, we know that the United are safe. That, that was inevitable, but... Are Hamilton now the team that look likely to be relegated straight away, or can they still reach a playoff spot, uh, Lewis? Look, what I would say is I wouldn't be fully writing them off, you know, especially it's Hamilton, you know, they always seem to escape it. And they're not a million miles off, they're only sort of three points away from Ross County and two away from Comarock, so it's not out with the realms of possibility. But I just, I just think it might be Hamilton's year this year. You know where they sit. A win on uh, Saturday would be massively Ross County and Kilmarnock on facing each other. Going into sort of the final two games of the season, it'll be extremely exciting. I think if it stays the same because Hamilton have got to play both Kelly and Ross County in those two games. So, as I say, I wouldn't I wouldn't be writing them off, but I've just I feel it might be the year this year. That sounds like you're you're sitting on the fence to me there, Alex. <laughs> uh, Declan. I'm I'm joining him on that fence, nice and comfy, because I'm I'm no I'm not wanting to put money on Hamilton go down. Uh, especially I think we've got Motherwell next at home, and they seem to do well in the the Lanarkshire derby. So if they win that, and other results go their way, you know they could they could obviously jump into tenth or be joint. I think be in the same points as Ross County if they win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I don't I don't want to write them off, but also it is kind of looking like it could be their year, just because as I said the decision making's been 
been poor throughout the, the team. I don't know if what that kind of comes down to, but it's just like silly things like that goal kick. Like it's like just pure a basic error. Basically, he's he's just it's just cost him the game because Dundee United they started well, but they they kind of just took their foot off the gas as soon as they scored, and Hamilton had chances to get back into it, and it just it looks like if that's going to be a recurring theme that they could be in big trouble. Yeah. Uh... I'd slated like slated you both for sitting in the fence here, but yet I am about to come and join you. Although in earlier podcast episodes, I did say I think Hamilton will go down. It's getting to that stage of the season where it's effectively squeaky bum time, and I've got a horrible sinking suspicion that that Hamilton might just avoid relegation this year by the skin of their teeth. You know, we we speak about their luck and and staying up, but. You know, once you do things a couple of times, you then have a knack for it, and it might just be Hamilton's trait to to stay up. So, um, I'm not going to write them off just yet. I'm going to take back my prediction of writing them off, and um, just hold it on a a sort of um impartial stance, if you will. Uh, let's let's move on from that game then. Uh, obviously, Dundee United won one nil. Uh, let's move on to the other basement battle uh, between Kilmarnock and Ross County. A game and a scoreline that I didn't expect when you look at the game. But before we touch on that, Lewis, you were actually at the game. What did you think of it? Yeah, it was an extremely fast start. You know, I think there was about three goals in the first fifteen minutes with Kilmarnock going two one up. And then obviously County pulled it back in the second half, but I'd say it's maybe a game you expect from the two sides in terms of defensively because they, they both weren't very good at the back with the goals you conceded. Like, and the managers have got you know John Hughes and Tony will both be maybe disappointed in some of the the goals they've conceded. When you look at the sort of result in in the end, it's not the worst for both sides, but I would say it's one that's better for Ross County with the position they're in. You know. They probably didn't want to lose the game at the least because now they find themselves still outside the the playoff spots. So it'll be one that Ross County will be happier with, and you could probably tell that from John Hughes after the game. But both again would have probably wanted a wee bit more maybe in the end. Uh, Declan, yeah, I think this was a game of like aerial battles. It seemed like the goals all came from, as Lewis was saying, poor defending and just. The men up top, but I think it was kind of direct football they were both kind of playing. And it's, it's obviously John Hughes, he talks about getting the ball down and trying to play, but I think he's got like a kind of, I think he was in, instilled a do or die kind of attitude with Ross County that they'll just fling the kitchen sink at it. And sometimes they will lose goals as well, but they can probably have more chance of scoring them. So it's a risky one, but I think it just came down to aerial duels that were that were won at both ends and that's where they kind of it was like knockdowns that kind of got them the goals and then I think there was a headed goal for County's equaliser but um, I, I think it's as you would I, I, I wasn't personally surprised it's as you would expect from after post-split fixtures it's it's frantic and it's nervy and teams down the bottom will, will have no choice but to go for it but I think on reflection of the weekend they're both be content with a point, I'd say, because obviously Hamilton's defeat. But as we've as we said, no one's no one's safe yet. Yeah, I I kind of echo that. Um, obviously, as it was classed as a basement battle. By the way, I love saying that phrase. That and uh, 
waxing lyrical I've became two phrases that I just I love using um so I'm sure we'll wax lyrical about the basement battle a little bit more but um if you look at the teams in the championship you know your your Wraith Rovers your Dundies your your Inverness Callies you know they they're currently in the current standings are set to be in the, the championship playoffs if you're the team that finishes in 11th place whether it's Kilmarnock Hamilton or Ross County do you fancy either of those sides to come up against a team like Inverness, Caledonian, Thistle, Dundee or, or Wraith Rovers? I think maybe most teams would take Wraith Rovers, but do you do you guys think that, that it would be an easy sort of win for the Premiership team or uh, sort of vice versa? Uh, start with you, Declan. It's, it's so difficult to, to say. Like, I think on their day, Wraith could beat them three teams that are at the bottom depending on obviously which one finishes in 11th but it's hard to say to be honest I think that they could but there's been years prior where I've thought right this is the year where the championship club might beat like the top flight club and it's it's maybe expected it but um, I think if it was I think if it's Dundee the, and it depends who they come up against. It just it's, it's, it's how teams match as well. But I, I'd probably, I, I actually would fancy they. I think they're on, they, they've played some good stuff from when I've seen them a few times this season. And I'd probably fancy them to go for it and probably get in the top flight. I'll stick my neck out in the line. Uh, what about yourself, Lewis? I think one thing must be said that the fact, so sometimes the sort of top six, bottom six playoff thing gets criticised. But I, just, I love it the way that. So the championship sides get a chance to face off against each other to play second bottom in the Premiership. I think it's a great system. You know, it makes the end of the season even more entertaining. With these teams sitting in there right now, it's, I think all of them would be capable of beating one of the bottom three. But it's the fact incredibly inconsistent. You know, <clears throat> at the weekend, nothing changed because race dropped points against Arbroath. Uh, Dundee dropped points against Morton. It's just. It's so up and down, you just don't know what's going to happen. So, on the day, I think these teams could beat them. And obviously, you'd be concerned if you're, you're the Premiership side in the playoff because you're facing teams that are doing better in the league and you're sort of on the, lo- the loser's end. But it's just so hard to, to predict, I think. Okay, um, I, I'll accept that. Um, let's, let's move on then. Um, I don't think there's many more talking points that we can discuss on that. Let's move to Motherwell versus St Mirren. This was a key game for Motherwell because although in previous podcasts I said that I think they were safe, they, they had like a dodgy result against Kilmarnock that ended 4-1 uh, in defeat. Um, and they were coming up against, you know, a team like St Mirren that were so unlucky uh, in not getting top six. Um, thanks to Hamilton Ackies, by the way. Um, so it was crucial that they were close to the relegation zone, but they, I, I don't know if you could say they were in danger of going down, but they were within that zone where it wasn't out with the realms of possibility. Um, and then when you're coming up against a team like St Mirren, the three points maybe aren't looking as likely, uh, but Motherwell obviously got the job done. They won 1-0. Uh, a Devante Cole goal uh, settled it for Motherwell. Uh, what did you guys think of that game, uh, Lewis? Uh, I do think that's a, a good point you've made. I would say they were sort of outside those bottom three in terms of those three look like the ones that are going to be battling. But a win on Saturday is crucial, you know. 
because I think without the win they would have just been six points off Kilmarnock in the playoff spots and I mean I know they've got that gap but when they're facing off against each other you just never know you can just slip into that that playoff spot so it was a good win for them you know St Mirren now at this stage they've not really got much to play for it's maybe quite a tough one for Jim Goodwin to get his players up for it at the minute you know they'll have a Scottish Cup tie to play and but the Premiership, especially with the disappointment of not making the top six, maybe quite hard for the players subconsciously. But they were unlucky, sort of missing the penalty as well. But it's a good one for Gunnar Alexander, and they'll just be happy that they're sort of stretching away once again. By all accounts, you, you mentioned the penalty there. Um, I spoke to a few Motherwell fans. I was covering the Celtic game um, live on YouTube and uh, someone was watching the Motherwell game and by all accounts, it was a weak penalty. Would you agree with that, Lewis? Yeah, no, definitely. It's not something you expect for Jamie McGrath because he's been so good to penalties this season. I don't think he's missed one. So when you heard he was stepping up, you thought he was scoring it. I mean, always you always give credit to the keeper. You know, they've got to go the right way. They've got to keep it out, but it was a bit of a disappointing one. I'm sure he'll look at it that way too. Uh, what about yourself, Declan? What did you think of the game? Yeah, well, I'd actually argue that I know I know we spoke about St Mirren and how maybe they've got nothing to play for this season um, for the rest of it, but I think they they, they played well and they actually probably deserved <laughs> to win. Motherwell rode their luck at times, obviously. The penalty, gave away penalty. Arguably, could have gave away one before that. It's up for debate, but... Um, Obviously, McGrath was a poor penalty, and I think just Motherwell kind of rode their luck because St Mirren played some good stuff, they dominated the game. So, they probably will feel hard done by, and I think um, credit credit to them, as we said, obviously not much to play for now, but they still kind of turned up and, and dominated the game, and as I said, probably deserved to get something from it, but obviously Motherwell, that was an important win to keep them in touch and distance with St Mirren and eighth if they, if they want to maybe push on again in the remaining four games. But I think obviously now that's that's uh, the bottom three. That's pretty much how it will stay. Obviously between the three, like I think that's Motherwell clear of that now. I know that eight points clear. So I don't think that they'll be slipped back into trouble. And I think uh, Graham Alexander's probably been a success then if if he's saying that from from their point of view that their main aim was to avoid relegation, then it, you'd have to say it was a success if that was their main aim. I mean, yeah, Mallow yeah. could still go on and go for that best of the rest. You know, they're only four points off Dundee United, so there, I suppose there's still some stuff to play for, maybe a bit of prize money in that, but they're certainly safe now. I think yeah. in terms of pride as well, you know, I, th- I, I hate using this term, but like a team like Motherwell's size and stature within Scottish football, they shouldn't be down, you know, in that area of the league. They finished third last season. You know, they're a team that you would expect to be in the almost top like the top half of the, the table, if not seventh. Um so I think a little bit of pride has to be played there, you know, for for the players to say, we've not had a great season. We're only four points off. We've got four games we can get, you know, we can be best of the rest essentially. So I think there's a lot to play for there from the Motherwell perspective. Uh and I think the game against Hamilton uh on the twenty first of April will be a a, a big one for them because it's a game that could secure Motherwell's safety. Uh, I, I say that, but I, I do think they are already safe, but it would all but confirm it mathematically. And then it could also send Hamilton, you know, effectively down uh, or, or at least on the route down, uh, if not already. So, um, yeah, a lot of 
stuff still to play for from a, a Motherwell point of view. And I think after this season and the drubbings that they've had off of Hamilton, um, they'll have maybe revenge on their mind. Uh, or at least that's that's how you would think it would go, but anything can happen in football. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Aberdeen and St. Johnston, well, St. Johnston and Aberdeen. Uh, it was a game I kind of wasn't looking forward to hearing about or, or looking at. Because it, I don't know, for me, it's Aberdeen St. Johnson. It had like a dull affair written all over it. The game did end 1 0 uh, in favour of Aberdeen. Uh, what, what did you guys think of that game, uh, Lewis? Yeah, these two sides sorry, they don't really play out many classics, do they? You know, you're expecting a sort of 1 0 or a goal straw. It's, it's not the best of games to have Aberdeen. I think they'll be happy now that so I think there was some talk at the weekend about Livingston possibly catching up to them and seeing if they can get in that European spot. But I think they'll they'll be safe for fourth place now. It's about again, I'd say those sort of places in the top six are all but secured. Maybe St Johnson can rise and catch Livingston at the most, but it was the game you're expecting for St Johnson v Aberdeen in all honesty. Uh what about yourself, Declan? Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with the that the top six probably will stay the same unless you know because Livingston took a took a down, so hmm. maybe the conference will drop and St Johnson can over overtake them in the remaining four games. But I think it pretty much will stay the same in terms of the game, though. I think Aberdeen are just stumbling along to the finish line now. I think they're just. I, I think is it Glass coming in next week? Maybe first game against Livingston in the cup. So I don't know how that will go. Bring them in at this time in the season. You know, it could it could work. It, it might not. I think it's a big risk. But I think they're just stumbling on at the end of the season now. And they're probably, you know, I, I don't know if I can see them catching Hibs. And I think, yeah, like, even yesterday, or on Saturday, sorry, when they when they played St. Johnson, I think that St. Johnson were probably unlucky to also walk away from something. You know, they had, like, multiple chances to, to grab something from the game, but never managed to do it. And Aberdeen just stumbled on here. A boring victory, as we've both all said. So, the you know Aberdeen this season. Uh, I think there's been many a game um, where I've said it's been a dull affair. Um, and as, as I said earlier, this one was no different. Um, and you know, Lewis, you make the point that these games are never, you know, they're never vintage. They're never, they're never a classic. Um, so that you know, um, didn't have a lot written all over it. Uh, Declan, you spoke about Livingston there, uh, and the fact that they were just off of a six-nil thumping. It was a perfect segue into sort of moving into our next game, which was Celtic versus Livingston. Um, a six-goal smashing drubbing. Uh, I was going to say a thriller, but it wasn't from a Livingston point of view. Maybe for a Celtic point of view, is that the most goals Celtic have scored all season in one game, or? Uh, is there another game that I'm not remembering? It might have been joint. Did they beat Reykjavik 6 now? This season? Uh-huh. Uh, in I've... terms of domestically, I think. Obviously yeah, domestically probably. But I can't remember if Reykjavik at the Champions League qualifiers 5 or 6 now. Do you know what, Lewis? I don't even remember that far back. This <laughs> I've, I've wiped early season <laughs> out of my head. Um, it was 6 0 in that game. 6 0, yeah. So joint in terms of all season, but I think domestic. Both, both, be... both games had an own goal on it as well, with five goals scored <laughs> in 30 players. So. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, my mind has had a blank. I've wiped the, the first half of this season out of my head. Um, 
So yeah, apologies for that. 6-0 anyway for Celtic. Uh, coming into the game, I didn't expect it to be 6-0. Uh, you know, I was live and I, I said I think this, you know, could be a draw. You know, with the draws in previous games, you know, 2-2 uh, at the Tony Macaroni. 0-0 uh, at Celtic Park. So I had the, the looks of a, a draw all over it, but Celtic showed up and, you know, asserted their, their dominance all over Martindale's Livingston. Um, what, what, what did you think of the game, Lewis? Yeah, it was sort of, I feel as though it's sort of been coming in the last few weeks. The amount of chances Celtic have been creating under John Kennedy has been massive. So against some sides, even maybe you would have thought it would have came last week against Falkirk, but the drubbing, I think, was coming. They probably could have scored more than six in this game, looking at the, the highlights, and there was some good saves from McCrory and goal. But I think the one key, key thing from this game was James Forrest, you know, both in a positive way and a negative the fact that he's come back, you can see the clear impact he's had on the team. There might be sort of factors that you could say the season's effectively over for Celtic, but I don't think it's over for somebody like James Forrest who's trying to play his way into the Euro, Euro squad. So he'll have something to play for. At the same time, the negative, you know, he's come off injured. and it's. I don't think it'll be any major, but you're hoping he'll be okay for, for next week's fixture whenever that gets played. But yeah, no, it was a, a good one for John Kennedy. I'm sure he'll be delighted with that one. Uh, what about yourself, Declan? Yeah, it was, it was good to see uh, Livingston finally getting a drubbing off Celtic. Uh, I think it's been a long time coming. And now that it, now that it has happened, it, it was good to see. And obviously, Kennedy, I mentioned it um, when when Rangers when came to Katie Parkhead in their last visit. And I feel like ever since he's took over, you can, you can definitely see a change. I know a lot of people were kind of, at the start when he took over, they were, they were kind of on the fence whether there was a change, but obviously at the start, it's going, it's going to take time for him to kind of implement his ideas that he maybe never got to fully implement under Lennon. But I think the, the, the patterns are playing and we're, we're starting to be more direct now and even bringing Forrest back into the squad, I think he's keen at like making runs in behind and I think I'm, I'm noticing that a lot more with a lot of runs in behind and whereas before it was just, you know, passing the ball from side to side and it was kind of easy to easy to defend against but I think six goals was, was definitely deserved and and the, to dominate the game like that was, was nice to see and obviously it, it's important to kind of build that confidence going into a massive few weeks Yeah, no I, I can't disagree with that. Uh, Lewis, on your points in Forest, how sort of Impacting has he been since he's came back, and do you consider him to be a massive loss for Celtic this season? I, I would say yes, but I don't think it's one of those losses that means that it's cost him, you know, the title or what. That was just Celtic as a whole being poor this season, but it's, it's fair to say it has been a massive loss. It's probably a bit of both of him being a massive loss and Celtic's failure to bring in a backup right, right midfielder because that position, you know. I think a lot of people were hoping that Caramel Codembele would be the, the guy to fill the backup role of of right winger, but there's no been nobody there, so you don't have that width that James Forrest brings. And even when you see the goals and assists he provides, and he's he's doing it even just in his first two games returning. So it's, it's he's definitely been a miss for Celtic this season. What about yourself, Declan? Same question to you. How much of an impact has he had, and and do you think? He's, he's sort of been missed this season. I 
as I said, like in terms of bringing them back in, like just having someone that's naturally able to play on the right side, you can just tell how much a difference it's making in in, in terms of how direct and and that we can start playing and how like how much it's going to hurt teams. Mm-hmm. But I'd I'd agree with Lewis in terms of like it's probably not had it's not been this the sole reason to why Celtic have lost the league. Like there's been a multitude of, of reasons for why that's happened. But having him having him back in is is definitely helped and you you can see his impact that he's having around even players around him already. So yeah. I was speaking to someone the other day who said that if James Forrest hadn't got injured when he did, Celtic would have been on to win the league. Would you agree with uh, that statement? Either of us? There's there's, ar- there's arguments to be made. There would be games where you'd have, you'd have picked up points here and there. Maybe, maybe he could have, you know, had one of the games where he he just looks like a world like a, a football player above his own ability. But I, I don't think he would. In, in terms of the whole, you know, Rangers have performed brilliantly all season. They're four games away from going and invincible domestically in the league. So I think it's hard to say if he was, if he was in this the squad for the full season. Where they went on to win the league, I think there would have been games maybe where they would have turned draws into wins, but I don't think it would have it would have made a difference on the whole. Uh, Lewis, just quickly, what about you? No, I think Declan hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. James Forrest, some massive player for Celtic, and you know the numbers he produces is pretty ridiculous. But there's also games where James Forrest does. It's a, it's a usual for a winger, you know. That's what wingers do. They're sort of in and out of form and. I think there would have been games that we would have won, but there's also games I don't think would have been massively affected with him being in the squad, yeah. Okay, uh, just finally, El Yunusi uh, had a fantastic game on Saturday. There's been a price quoted at between five and, and I think seven million. Would you, would you, if you were Celtic, would you pay that for, for him? He, he went from... Uh, Basel to Southampton for I think it was 15 or 16 million would, does it kind of seem like a no-brainer to, to pick him up at a cheap price of like 5 and 7 million uh, Lewis? Yeah, at that price I'd bite your hand off or you know, he's actually probably been one of Celtic's better players this season which probably isn't hard but you know, even though he's not been in the side consistently, you know, I think there's been spells where over the months he's uh, more been a substitute but he's still produced the numbers, I think I seen one that I was surprised that he's only seven goals off Scott Sinclair's invincible record, well, invincible season that is, which is a pretty ridiculous stat for how poor Celtic have been, you know. So if it's a, that's a price, I'd one hundred percent bite your hand off for it. Uh, Declan, yeah, I'd agree. Between five and seven million, you, de- you definitely got got to buy him. It's, I mean, like earlier in the season under Lennon, it's sometimes you're questioning whether you know it is worth it. But it's clear that his ability is there. Southampton paid, you know, sixteen million, as you said, for him. So it is, it is obviously a good player we've we've got on your hands. But I think that um, you know, I think he turns twenty seven in August, so he's coming into his, his kind of prime years. And if you get a guy of that ability playing under a good coach and obviously an exciting new project that we think is is coming, then. I think he he'll only flourish, and even still, you might you might make a profit off him still if, if he does do well. So I think it's yeah, it's a no brainer. Okay, uh, let's move on then uh, to our final game that we have to cover. It was the final game of the 
the match day. Uh, it was Rangers versus Hibs. Rangers won two goals to one. Uh, they're on course to remain invincible uh, within the league format. Uh, obviously, they were beaten by St Mirren in the League Cup. Uh, they have a Scottish Cup uh, game against Celtic next week or whenever that's set to be to be played out. Uh, it looks like, to... Stefano, it looks like it'll be Sunday if reports are correct now. Okay. Uh is that just came out or is that just yeah. like a... uh-huh. okay. Uh stick to Day Stefano talks for breaking news all the time. <laughs> Lewis is on it. Um okay, well by reports it'll be the Sunday then. Um I'd lost my train of thought. Uh, let's just quickly t- talk about the game. Uh, what did you guys think about it? Uh, start with you, Declan. Um, I think obviously the league's in the bag for Rangers now, so naturally that you know they've 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 took the foot off the gas a wee bit. But again, I, as we've seen all season, they've not really had to go a second year to to win these games. I mean, you could probably make an argument yesterday that Hibs deserved more at the game, and and they did have good chances. You know the they break quite well. You see, as soon as a centre-half pick the ball up, Boyle's sprinting down the flank. And I think that's important because of how high Barisic pushes up. But it's just a simple, um, easily avoidable like mis- mistakes that, that Hibs make. You know, Barisic picking the ball up on the left, whipping the ball in. Like Everyone knows he's got to do that. So I think Hibs will be disappointed with, with stuff like that. that you know, Boyle can get out to him quicker, but in terms of in terms of the game, you know, Rangers just as I said, didn't need to go a second gear. Haven't really had to do it much this season, and, and and managed to get the important victory to send them on their way to an invincible league season. But I, I think the one thing I will say is Hibs should have had a second goal. Whether that would have stayed to kind of two each or it would have finished that result, mm. we don't know. But it, it was it was. One of the, it was another shocking decision from the referee that we've probably seen hundreds of times over this campaign. But yeah, the, that goal that Porter scored should have stood. We'll touch on that in a second. Um, Lewis, quickly, what did you think of the game? Yeah, it's sort of one that Rangers didn't need to be at their best. And I think that's we've seen that a few times this season at Ibrox, especially. They don't need to be at their best, but they'll still win the game. I think it's a sort of. Great goal for them from Ryan Kent. He's kind of, maybe could have been sort of defended a bit better in terms of Gogic stepping up a bit, but it's a great finish off the off the left foot, mm. and it's another one sort of towards going unbeaten, which will be I think will be the aim for them now. You know they've maybe got that. Some would say when the title's over, they might not have that motivation, but they've sort of got that extra wee motivation now that they might want to go the, the season unbeaten. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let Let's just quickly talk about that second goal then. That arguably could have and maybe should have stood um we've not heard your opinion on it Lewis. so let's start with you we heard Declan say that it probably could have and should have stood and maybe other games this season it would have stood what about yourself what's your thoughts on it it certainly looks like a soft one from the the video footage it's just sees referees it's not even just Scotland I think it's all over there seems to be sort of different takes on things, you know, sometimes there's pulling in the box and whatnot, but one referee will give the opposite decision to the other, so it's just, I don't know if it's, it's, it's inconsistent, but it's just come down to sort of referee's opinion sometimes, and it does look very soft, and maybe sort of Hollander's bought it a wee bit, but it did look as though it should have stood as a, a goal for me as well, I think. 
does that then frustrate you um, in the terms of referees are paid, you know, a decent whack of money? I know they're not professional. I spoke about this on stream on Saturday, but I know they're not professional. But surely they, they have to get to a level of consistency when they're they're refereeing a professional football game. Uh, you know, that surely must be like a standard. I know they have jobs uh, throughout the week, but you know, surely if you're if, if Scottish football wants to be taken seriously, surely we have to sort of move forward and maybe bring in the, the route of full-time referees rather than part-time and make it a full-time position because the consistency or, or lack thereof in Scotland really, it, it damages our game to, to the extent where, you know, I can I can see why people refer to it as a farmer's league and, you know, a public, because it, the referees are making some of the decisions look absolutely amateurish you know the game on uh, Sunday I, I don't know what the referee's thinking but I, I don't see that as being a foul I think that is incredibly soft and, and the goal should have stood and I, you know it's just these decisions that, that can cost teams and you know it, it, it's quite annoying you know when you watch when you watch it from a neutral point of view you're just wanting the referees to get it right and the you know they just fail to do so each and every week. I think Brian Rice called it out last week. Um, so, you know, there is there is an argument for making referees full-time. Do you guys agree with that, uh, Declan? Uh, I'm not I'm not sure because whether they're full-time or not, they still need to apply themselves fully. You know, they're, they're officiating on games where players are getting play, paid, like, thousands and thousands of pounds where there's there's money at stake there's you know people's jobs at stake and if if you're actually looking at it in a like critically where whereas the effects are maybe a decision you lose a game and then you lose you lose points but it's, it's like they just need they still need to apply themselves fully that regardless anyway and i just think that in this country they're they're either just they're not good enough, or they're just they're just deceived too easily. Because I think it was Hollander that kind of fell over; he just like stumbled over. So I don't think there was there was much or any contact involved, and it's just looked like obviously he's had a push. Mm-hmm. And they've just bought they've just bought it. Whereas at the other end, obviously Boyle got booked for diving, which probably was a dive to be fair. But you know, they're not deceived then, so it's it's inconsistent. But whether they're 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 working full time as a referee, they just or not, they still need to apply themselves fully. What about yourself, Liz? I think it says a lot when we come on here every week and there's at least one refereeing decision that needs to be spoken about. Mm-hmm. You think this is the sort of thing they would have done a long time before now, you know, making referees professional. But as Declan sort of mentions, I don't know what it would change, to be honest. I think they would still be getting these decisions wrong and I don't think too much would change. Maybe the odd decision would be would be correct, but it's just it's, it's a tough situation. I don't know what you do to fix it, to be honest, because it's, it's just frustrating and we're talking about it every week. So would you then, uh, you know, if an idea came around, I think we've had it once before where the, the SFA, you know, brought in referees from other countries because I think the, ref, the Scottish referees were on strike. Would you prefer that the SFA did that and brought in, you know, officials from overseas, um, from, from better leagues? Would you be opposed to that, or it's a really tough one? That you know, I'm not. I'm not too sure if that changes anything either. You know, it's referee position. Maybe it would be a bit better, and these guys would be coming over with sort of 
a different view of the game and obviously, you know, I'm not I'm not claiming referees are biased or whatnot, but it's always sort of up, maybe up there, you know, you're Scottish, you know the Scottish game, you know what happens. You don't mean to make mistakes or whatnot, but it's just such a tough situation how you fix it, you know? Mm. I'd probably, I'd agree with, like, with you, Stefan, maybe if that's what you think is best like, in terms of bringing foreign referees because we got, like, not claiming as well that anyone is biased towards a certain team but I think regardless if you've got a Scottish referee referee in, in Scotland they're going to be accused of it regardless do you know what I mean like whether they are a Celtic fan or a Rangers fan or a Aberdeen fan whatever they're going to be they're going to be accused if a decision that they make is wrong so I think if you bring over someone from Moldova you know a full-time referee from somewhere in the ends and he kind of eliminates the bias Mm-hmm. I think there was sort of one interview earlier in the season where Kevin Clancy said, we know what's at stake here, you know, 10 in a row versus trying to stop 10. And, you know, he might not mean to make these mistakes, but that's always up there subconsciously. You know, you're thinking maybe about some of these decisions, they might sort of take a step and go, do I make this? This might be controversial. Or so maybe an outside view is better. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think... I think very much an outside view maybe maybe is needed. But then again, I think maybe the SFA need to have the referees undergo a, a sort of retraining scheme, you know, uh, to speak to UEFA about it, uh, and look, is there ways to improve our, our referees? It, it doesn't take like too that. much to sort of become a qualified referee. It, obviously, it takes a bit more to get to that level, but even I've got sort of referee qualifications that you've literally done at school, you know? Mm. Well... I'd, I'd remember that happening at school, but I, I never, I was never like, fit enough or, or, you know, wanted to do oh, that. No um, fitness was involved in that. <laughs> really? That was for me anyway. <laughs> I, I hated, the only thing I loved at school was uh, football and, um, I mean, I wasn't very good at it, but I uh, still enjoyed that. Um, right, that sort of leads us off then um, to, to finishing the show. Uh, it was a really great discussion we had there, um, recapping all the games, but sort of a nice way to sort of end, end the show with maybe a little bit of debate. I don't know if people agree or disagree. I suppose they can let us know in the on Twitter or whatever. Um, but I think that's I think that's probably the best place to stop. If you have enjoyed, um, then make sure to share the podcast where, wherever you can on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I think you can do it on Instagram uh, if, if that's what you do. I know I do sometimes. Um, so if you if you've enjoyed it, share it to your friends. Uh, spread the word. We're here talking about Scottish football each and every week. Uh, so if that's your thing, or you think it's someone else's thing, let them know about it, and um, they can they can join us every single Monday. Um, we will be back next Monday uh, from four p.m. recapping hopefully all the Scottish Cup games uh, that take place, um, and. I'm trying to think who's coming on the show next week, but I'm, I'm not sure. I need to sort of double down on guests that I've got coming on because I think I might have overbooked this, but um, we will still be here next Monday at 4pm on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcast. Uh, Lewis, Declan, thanks very much for coming on, guys. Really appreciate it. And we will see you next Monday at 4pm.